A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually... Actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince. But it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie. Also from Quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we're not experts. No, we're not. But we're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And a friendly reminder that you can visit our website, forever35podcast.com, for links to everything we mention on this show. You can follow us on Twitter, at Forever35Pod, Instagram at Forever35Podcast. And you can always join the Forever35 Facebook group where the password is Serums. And we also have a lovely bi-monthly newsletter, I think. Something like that. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Listen, the mystery remains. (laughs) But it comes out often and you can sign up for it at Forever35Podcast.com slash newsletter. In fact, there's another issue coming out tomorrow. You're a prolific newsletter producer, Dory. I mean, I have to hand it to you here. Well, consider it handed. <laughs> <laughs> and if you would like to reach us, we have a voicemail number where you can also send us text messages, 781-591-0390. Got a delightful text the other day that was just like, I met the gynecologist. <laughs> I was like, hey. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. You can text us about literally anything. You can also email us or send us a voice memo at forever35podcast at gmail.com. It's true. That's it. That's the whole shebang. That's story. the spiel. <laughs> How's it going over there in, in New Hampshire? Okay. Well, I'm dealing with a head cold. So if my voice sounds Mm. nasally, that's what's going on. But I'm not going to dwell on that today. I'm going to tell you two exciting things from the life and times of Kate Elizabeth Horse Spencer. Lay it on me. Okay. The first thing is that I did buy... After buying a very big journal that was too big, it would have been like carrying on... I don't know, like an encyclopedia onto the airplane yeah. to travel to the East Coast here. So I left that behind in Los Angeles. And I've bought myself a smaller paper, paper 
journal. And I did it once and I journaled. And, you know, I just actually got off the phone with my therapist right before recording this. And she, and we were talking about working on, working through some of my childhood traumas, real fun. Mm. And she suggested journaling. And she was like, I know it must be hard as a writer to journal without, and just to just journal, you know, without thinking about it. And I was like, yes, because I find this so challenging. Like, I judge everything I'm writing. I can't, it's Mm. so hard for me just to write without judgment. So that I think is the practice for me. So I was interesting that she had encouraged journaling and and also meditating um, when I had just kind of tried to pick it back up and had written about it in this episode document before uh, she and I had even spoken about it. So I don't know. I think I'm going to try my hand again this weekend at some more handwritten journaling. And really the practice for me is like not the actual journaling, but the the doing it in a, with a without judgment, which is really hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oof. Just not looking at what I'm writing, knowing no one's going to see it. Like, even though intellectually I know those things, it's still hard to kind of remember. And the other thing I wanted to share, Dory, is a little bit of a surprise for you. I want to drop this Go on you. On. I am back into Sunday Riley good jeans. Wow. I'm back into it. Oh, okay. Yep. So. What brought this on? Well, I was, I acquired it and I was like, let me try my hand at Sunday Riley good jeans again. And I think the first bottle I ever had, which is the only other bottle I've ever had, which I purchased during a Sephora sale, prior to even the inception of this podcast, I think I had a bad bottle. I think I've talked about this on the podcast. Yes. Where yes. People have talked about it how their Sunday Riley... Yeah. And you were like, mine doesn't it smell that way. No, it smelled like a chemical spill and not in a good way. Like it smelled really bad, like formaldehyde bad. And it was confusing because everyone would be like, oh, I think good gene smells like lemon pledge. I was like, no. But mine doesn't. Well, the bottle that I have now does. And so I've been trying it out again. And I was, you know, I've been putting it on, um, alternating with my retinol. And boy, that stuff just gets the job done. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. I feel like every time we talk about Sunday Riley, someone inevitably brings up the Sephora review scandal. Well, I remember. How do we you did feel an, about that? We did an we emergency, did an emergency <laughs> mini episode. <laughs> we did an about emergency this. episode. I know. I mean, ultimately, look, it's not <laughs> okay. So, uh, allegedly, what was happening is that Sunday Riley employees were going on and writing reviews for their products, which is. I mean, it wasn't alleged. Okay, it, it was. Like, it happened. It was. Yeah. yeah, that's shitty and shady. But also, the, the thing that I think everyone, that I think everyone was like, "What is that?" Like. Good jeans is legitimately great. Their products are great. Like why like why were they bothering? <laughs> I know. Kind of. <laughs> I guess my my feeling now about that is like everything is marketing. Like even if a company has like the best practices, it's still all mark, you know, like it's not like it, it just to me it's like, well, whatever. I still like the product. I know it doesn't feel yeah. like it doesn't feel like enough of a violation that I personally feel uncomfortable using their products still, but I can understand why other people might feel differently and might not want to support them. Well, listen, spoiler for the episode that's coming out tomorrow. Yes, that's right. We have a special episode coming out tomorrow, Thursday. I don't want to say too much more. We like to keep you on your but- toes. We'll keep you on your toes. I talk about a Sunday Riley product on that episode. Oh, the, that's right. Yeah. Actually, well, I'm not going to say what it is. This is keep what everyone kind of, in suspense. This is kind of what brought me back to Good Jeans tomorrow's this surprise episode. So, oh, yeah. well, 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 well. Packed wow. it in my bag and I've been using it for the last month. And I'm like, oh, what is this glow? And I'm like, oh, shit, it's Good Jeans. Look at you, Good Jeans. I see you, good jeans. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
So I'm back. I feel like this podcast was founded on Sunday Riley Good Jeans in many ways. It was like one of the first products we ever talked about here. And it just goes to show that like life is a circle. It's and, and for anyone who's like, what the hell are they talking about? What is Sunday Riley Good Jeans? It's a serum that the skincare company Sunday Riley makes. It's it's lactic acid based. And so it is, I would say, exfoliating. It helps with, you know, ye old fine lines. Um, it's an AHA. It's going to maybe, maybe help with what's it called? Maybe melasma. I don't know if it helps with dark spots, but texture, but I've just noticed a a little bit of a shine, like a little bit of a glow. Okay. Yeah. So that's, what's new with me. I have a cold, I'm journaling and I'm glowing. Wow. How is it going over there in in Dory's world? a lot of news. It's a lot of big breaking (laughs) things happening here. A lot of big breaking things. Um, What is going on with me? Well, look, Kate, I'm on book five of Outlander. Holy shoots. Really? (laughs) You're far in. How many more are there? Are there eight? I'm deep. There's, I believe the eighth one is coming out in November. The the final book is coming out in November. Now, keep in mind, the first book came out in 1991. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't realize it came out that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. And Corey. she got, you know, some people say that it's Doctor Who fanfic. Like she got, like it started oh, as Doctor Who fanfic. Interesting. And she got her start on a CompuServe writers forum, <laughs> like in the early days of the internet. I love that. She's almost 70. Like she's, she's, you know, she's older. Diana, um, her name is Diana. Um, oh goodness. I'm going to forget. Gar- I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think it's, it's Gaba- Gabaldon. 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 I don't know. Gabaldon. But she is the yeah. author of the Outlander series. Yes. Anyway, I, I had some issues with book three that I posted okay. about in the Forever 35 book club. Okay. Just to kind of see if I was alone in these feelings. And did it resonate with others? Anything. It did resonate. People were like, I felt the same way. But keep going, um, Dory, right? Keep going. Well, you know, some people were like, I stopped after book two. Like, there was definitely a range of opinions. Mm. And then some people were like, book six was my favorite. So, and then someone else was like, they they weren't like, take a break. But they were like, I find that, you know, when I'm reading, like, book series, it helps to take a break and, like, read something else. And I was like, that's a good point. I do tend to, like, binge book yes. series. And then I just kept going. Oh, so you didn't. I was like, yeah, I should do that. And then... <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do it? I thought you were going to be like, do and it then I read a all. spy mystery or something. Okay. No, wow. I just was like, I don't know. I just wanted to like keep living in, in the world. Even though there are aspects of it that I find annoying. But, well, you know, you, you actually bring up an interesting point because it is Excuse me. It is interesting going back. Oh boy, my voice. Going back and reading these old books because a lot of times, like the book is still great and engaging and interesting, and you're loving it. But there are very problematic things where you're like, "What?" That were that was exactly possibly that's exactly mm, it. More accepted in culture in 1990, whatever than it was, than it is now. That is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, do I just stop? Do I like acknowledge these problematic elements and keep going? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Anyway, I feel like I have acknowledged them. I'm, I'm, I'm staying with it. It does seem like as the books go on, she becomes a little bit more aware of (laughs) some of the more problematic elements of, of the earlier books, especially book three. Okay. Anyway. Don't want to go into too many details, but I just felt like I should I should update you on my Outlander, my Outlander life. I am obsessed with the fact that you are reading Outlander, especially because I haven't, and I feel like that's something people would put on me. Oh, I know. I like to keep people on their toes, but it's almost kind of like if you and I came together in book form, it would be Outlander. Ooh, 
Do you know what I mean? Like you I like do. history and like, suspense. It's historical. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and I just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. naked people like on sex. top of each other. I just like sex. <laughs> and rippling you biceps. Know what I will also, you know what I will also say now that I'm on book five and they are, they're either, I think, Claire is in her in her early 50s and Jamie's in his late 40s. He might already be in his 50s, but it's like they're still having hot sex. I mean, inspirational. We want to be boning hard Very until inspirational. we're 90. Exactly. So I, I do I do appreciate that aspect of it. So, yeah, because I feel like, you know, there there there's not a ton of romance that's written about people over like 35 there is some but there's not a ton no although you know jasmine guillory jasmine guillory wrote one yes 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 and and i do think i do think there are more that i don't know about i feel like i'm not particularly knowledgeable in the world about older people romance but you would say it's not the most common not at all totally agree yeah so so i even the characters in my book are like Mine are 30-ish, 30, 32. And that still feels young to me. So, yeah. You know. Um, Um, Dory. Yes. Dory. Yes. I have to ask you. Yes. You noted that your husband's birthday is really soon. I did. I did note that. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you might remember that a year ago, Dory felt like she screwed up her husband's birthday. I didn't feel like I screwed it up. I screwed it up. Okay, you did. <laughs> it was not <laughs> well, alleged just, that I screwed it, it up. I, was... I, I screwed it up. Okay, okay. <laughs> you I, are the Sunday Riley good jeans commenters. I am. I did it. You did it. So, and are you, it's coming up again. When? How? When is your husband's birthday? August something. It's August fifth. Okay, it's soon. It's soon. Yeah. So it's soon and I need to just like figure out what I'm doing. I ha- I do have, I have one gift that I had originally gotten him for Father's Day and then realized that I had gotten him like a thousand things for Father's Day. And I was like, I'm going to save this for, and it wasn't like a Father's Day specific gift. So I was like, I'm going to save this for his birthday. So I have one thing. <laughs> Does he listen to this podcast? Like, could you tell us what no. it is or are you afraid? Okay. Um, He doesn't, but I don't want to like, don't wanna put I don't it know. Out I feel there. weird about saying what it is, you know? Okay. Fair. Um, but I feel like I need to figure out something else. So I don't know. That's kind of on my mind and just like making it feel special. So I think that was, that was like this, that was the kind of biggest thing for him is that it didn't, I think his day didn't feel special. Well, and it was like a real lesson in love languages, wasn't it? Like, Yes. What now, we mind need. You, and- I did not really I did not really feel like my birthday this year was particularly <laughs> special. But mm-hmm, it was noted, okay. It was noted. It was fine. Anyway, so ideas welcome. Well, especially these You know, these I know some of, like- I know some people some people here listen to our other podcast or know Matt you know, kind of know Matt from the podcast world. And so, you know, some other people might have actually, you know, a podcast listener, I think of Excellent Adventure had a suggestion for Christmas for him that was very well received. Oh, and you did it? You did what the listener suggested? Yeah. Yeah. This is convenient. It was a a cutting board from a company called Stella Falone that makes their cutting boards out of wood they're they're a guitar company. They they make oh they make here guitars, we go. and they um they they make it's it's this guy Bob Taylor who makes Taylor guitars, and he uses the wood that that he doesn't use for the guitars to make these cutting boards. Oh, I can. So I was like, this wow. is right up your husband's this alley. This is this is perfect. And a listener suggested it. So you know, I feel like our listeners could have some good suggestions. All right, Wilson, if you know so Matt Myra, throwing it out there. Yeah. Tell Dory what to exactly. do for his birthday. <laughs> uh, All right, so Dory, let's take a break because yes. okay. okay. We are coming back and we're talking to Kathy Wang, 
Um, Kathy's amazing, and she's the author of the book Imposter Syndrome, which just came out in June, which Dory loved. I did love. Like it was, it was. I know Dory's loving a book when it's like, "Hey, we're reading this book," and then like you know hours later, I get this message that's like, "I'm so into this," and that's what <laughs> happened here. <laughs> I get it's book true. update text messages from Dory. So it was really fun to get to talk yes. to Kathy. Yeah, and she she was really great. Yeah. So um we're gonna we're gonna read her bio and then we'll get to her interview. So Kathy grew up in Northern California and is a graduate of UC Berkeley and Harvard Business School. She lives in the Bay Area with her husband and two children. Her second book, Imposter Syndrome, came out in June. So here she is, Kathy Wang. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings, there's nights out, it's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling superpower short. The superpower short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. 
Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Okay, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like I I I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires and just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, "Oh god, like get this off of me." <laughs> No, thank once you. Once you once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast, but I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year, I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like, I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes, Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one -on -one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Well, we are so excited today to welcome Kathy Wang to Forever 35. Kathy? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we were chatting a little bit before we got started, and I was just gushing about how much I love your new book, Imposter Syndrome. And thank you. So thank you for writing it. Um, before we kind of get into it, do you want to just tell our listeners a little bit about your book? Sure. Yeah. Um, Imposter syndrome essentially asks the question, what if one of the world's most powerful female technology executives was in fact a Russian spy? Uh, the spy in question in the book is a woman named Julia Lerner. Um, she was placed in the United States, uh, you know, a while ago by her handlers and they thought she would just inhabit a sort of middle class existence in the U.S. So the fact that she's ascended to her current position is really kind of a testament to her own abilities. So the book then asks, well, what happens when Julia is asked to put her position and her lofty lifestyle in danger to uh, fulfill kind of these increasing requests from the motherland? Like, does she just keep doing it and obey? Because at this point, she has a lot of power. Or does she try to wrest some of that back? Yeah, and it's just, it's really fast paced and 
just such a great read. So, um, again, we, we just really loved it. Um, so, you know, we, we just wanted to get started with some questions about the book. Um, first of all, we're curious, how did you transition from working in tech to writing fiction? And are you still working in, are you s- still maintaining a day job? Cause you said you were on your work computer. <laughs> so yeah, I recently went back. Um, after oh, wow. I filled in, um, turned in the edits on my, uh, last on this book. So I went back to it. Um, but it, it, while I was writing my two books, I didn't work in tech uh, at the time. And so, uh, but you know, my first book, my, at the time I had just had a child and my husband had this travel schedule that was really like punishing at the time. So I ended up leaving my job, um, when I had my first child. And honestly, I mean, writing the book was, I mean, it's a factor of being very depressed, like at home. <laughs> you know, it was just like this feeling that I needed to do something as an outlet for, for myself, I guess. And, um, I was pregnant with my second child and I just felt like I was, I just needed to have something. So that was when I started to write um, my first novel, essentially. So had cool. you written, had you written fiction? prior at any point in your life or had it been something that you had been drawn to as a kind of self-care practice it, so- it sounds like that's what it it started out as for you almost so i had always like kind of you know i think a lot of people are like i dream of doing this so i had yeah. wanted a long a while ago to i was like i want to be a try to be a writer so i looked up how to do it and i looked up the programs that were driving distance from my house so it was stanford and san jose um state had programs and then they both said that you needed to have a like three recommenders about your writing samples, like about your writing ability. And that alone like scared me off because I had only worked in tech. I was like, I don't have, I don't know anyone that can possibly testify to my abilities because I've never done that. So at that point I was like, okay, I don't, I don't think I can get like a degree in that. So um, at that, so I was like, I'm going to try to write a novel. So I wrote a manuscript and then I, I was like very naive. I didn't, no, you had to get an agent. So I had to Google how to get an agent. I then had to write the query letter. I queried a bunch of agents and one got back to me. They asked for the full manuscript. And then six months later, they said, no, thank you. Like it doesn't have a plot. (laughs) And so from there I learned, I was like, I need to do this to get an agent and my book has to have a plot. So I think, (laughs) so like, I think a year later when I started writing (sighs) my, my first book, Family Trust, like I remember that I was like, I need to have I need to, uh, I need to have a plot. Like things need to move along. Like the things that I like in other books that I read, I need to have in my book too. Like other readers want that. They don't just want my musings. So, uh, that's kind of, that was my journey to publication essentially. But that's, it's really inspiring because I feel like so, you know, Dory and I are both writers and the, the, the world of book publishing and writing is so mysterious. And like, mm-hmm. you know, you feel like you need to, like you initially felt like have a degree and you've gone to do all these things and you really just figured it out as you went and succeeded, which is really amazing. And you were not deterred by that initial rejection from that agent. Yeah. I mean, there's so many places of failure along the way that, you know, when I was trying it out, I mean, it really helped me to read other people's journeys. So I always, mm. I try to be as open as possible. Like, so f- for example, I'll give one more for my first book, which is Family Trust, the first book that I wrote that was published. Uh, I, I think I was starting to query agents again and I was like, okay, maybe I should have someone tell me whether or not this has a plot before <laughs> I continue. So I took the first three chapters and I was like, who can I ask to? tell me this. And I randomly found an eBay auction, like a for charity from a literary agent that said, you know, I will review your oh my your book if uh, you, you know, for charity, if you win this auction. So I think I bid, it was like $300. So I bid that and she gave me this note back and she said, this is not publishable. <laughs> And so, um, but, and, and so, but I, but I still went out with that manuscript and then I, I got my, an agent from that. So that's an example of something that like, you know, I, it was, I, sp- I had blown $300 and had an established literary agent tell me that it was not publishable. Uh, but you know, it, it ended up being published. So 
I just, there's so many points of failure. There's so many people who won't necessarily connect with your work. I mean, just go on to Goodreads of any book that you really admire. And all the one stars are people who would not want to publish your book. So uh, that's just, I think that's a really important part of understanding the landscape. I love that you kind of thought outside the box, though, because it is really opaque as Kate was saying, to try to break into the publishing industry. And I think it can also often feel that like all the other writers all know each other and like they're all hanging out and they all know, you know, kind of what to do. And when you're outside of that, I think it can, it can feel really intimidating. Yeah. I mean, I feel that way even now, right? I mean, I don't know how you guys feel. I feel that there's like 50 writers that control Twitter. <laughs> so <laughs> if I, find, <laughs> I don't, I have no way of, understanding how to enter that world. So I mean, I feel that way even now. I think it's constantly with you. Yeah, it's really hard. What, uh, and this, again, I don't, this might be a a personal question, but what inspired you to, after you finished writing, go back to working in in tech full time? I think that's such an amazing, that's the back and forth is really like exciting to me that you're doing both. You know, I mean, I think that there, I just, I feel like I've also just run out of stuff that I can talk about. I mean, you know, my world has been very small for the last three years during which I, you know, did these two books. Like I don't travel to writers conferences, which I think is a huge part of where writers get, uh, you know, movement. Uh, I've just kind of been here. And so I felt like I just needed to do something else and work a different part of my brain. And um, I think I also have to mention the fact that I think writing is a low remuneration industry. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so yeah. It doesn't have health insurance and things like that that are very necessary. So what well, are also, you doing now? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, what are you doing now? I work in an autonomous vehicles company. So it's really different than writing. Wow. And it totally engages like a different part of the brain. You know, because I think my view on Silicon Valley is a little different than I think maybe a lot of the writing community. Like, I don't think it's 100% evil. Like I think there's mm. a, 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 like a portion of evil, but there's also a portion <laughs> where it's you know, actually doing like a lot of really interesting work. And so I think working gives me that perspective. Um, you know, it gives me that balance probably. I think we get some of that kind of ambivalence about Silicon Valley in your book. Um, and I mean, especially in the character of, Julia and kind of her struggles as a mom and a COO. Um, you know, she's like kind of a monster <laughs> at times, but like I also really empathized with her and, and her struggles. Um, and so I'm kind of wondering, like, what did you want to get across with regards to Julia's struggles, um, as a mom and a COO? Um, and, you know, what, what do you want people to know about the experience of being a mother in tech? I wanted Julia, she's kind of wish fulfillment for me. And, you know, cause I had gone to business school and also sat in a lot of these like female roundtables. So, you know, when in business school, we would have a lot of kind of high level female execs come through and host, host these roundtables and they would say really lofty things. And Julia to me is wish fulfillment of what I really hope these women are like secretly. Because otherwise, I mean, I just don't understand. Like you can, I mean, because they're essentially saying, well, I go lead a company during the day and then I have a really just very organized calendar and then I go home and then I make dinner and then I like pick up my husband's socks from the ground. And the whole time I'm perfectly even keeled and happy about it. And that just always, I, I understand why you have to present that face to the world. And I don't think you can even be promoted to that level without presenting that persona. But I always hoped that inside, that they were secretly, you know, kind of hating it and like really upset. And so Julia was what I believe uh, that person to be. And I hope it is. I don't know, though. I was I wanted to ask you about. um, Well, first, could we hear about a self care practice in your life that you are drawn to? Do you have something daily that you do that kind of brings you calm grounding or whatever it is you need to kind of get through the day? I have like a very um, unusual and cheap skincare practice that I do, which is I oh, buy these yeah. large vats of 
oil on Amazon, like organic oil. So I buy like vats of like almond oil and like castor oil for the eyes because I read on Oprah once and um, avocado oil and all these apricot oils. And they're like 20 bucks with this like gigantic, you know, maybe 10 to $20 with like very large bottle. And I mix them up and I just slather them on my face constantly because I'm working from home and no one will see me. Uh, and that's what I do whenever I feel stressed. I'm like, I'm moisturizing my face. And, uh, but you know, my, my husband is like, why are all the doorknobs greasy? (laughs) 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 Please stop. Uh And so, um, so that's that, but I just can't, it's just something I have to do. I don't know why. Um, but it's been a problem because lately I've had to do, do zoom calls and I'll be putting the oil on. And then I realize like half my makeup is is melted off, right? Cause it's so, it's so oil. So. Okay, wait. Can we start for okay, so do you have a recipe that you follow when adding all these oils together or is it just kind of a concoction that you've come up with on your own? So I use the Now, the Now Organics brand. It's like a sweet almond oil that's like the base oil and then I just dump in bits of other stuff. So like like apricot oil or like rosehip oil or like avocado oil. And, uh, and I mix them all together at various times and there's no recipe. So when I feel like one's kind of getting low, like dump it in and, and it works out fine. And, uh, you know, I feel like, I don't feel like my face is being expensively moisturized, but I definitely feel like it's being moisturized. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if it's expensive. I mean, but I also just love that you created your own product. Like that is so, I don't yeah. think we've ever talked to anyone who's done that before. Have we, Dory? Maybe, um, um Brooke DeVard also was yeah. creating her own products. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. she's like a, a beauty. I mean, she hosts a beauty podcast. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kathy's not in the beauty world. Unless you are Kathy and we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I am not in the beauty world, but I do know quite a few like skincare entrepreneurs. And because of that, I feel like I know a lot of, I know their margins, their gross margins. And that alone, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to by my own. And for example, like if you talk to anyone, like they'll be like squalene is number one, like just use squalene with a bunch of other stuff. And that's what gives you that nice feeling on the face. So I mean, I know a few people who run like very kind of high end skincare lines, and they're always like, you need to put in a lot of squalene in the in the formula. So it feels good. And I looked up squalene, and it's like five bucks. So I was like, I'm just gonna buy the squalene directly. And so you add that is that part of your mixture? That one I buy, um, you know, that, that one I just get from the ordinary, you know, mm-hmm, that brand, like mm-hmm, the, of the course. Ordinary. Yeah. Yeah. They sell squalene and I just use that on its own. I don't mix it in because it has its own bottle already. So <laughs> I feel like the ordinary has already, they're, they're, they're acceptable for me from a price value perspective. So I don't, I don't try to improve totally. on it. <laughs> I love that you do that so much. And I love that it works for you. That sounds like such a beautiful combination of things like the rose hip, the avocado, the almond oil base. Oh, it just sounds so nice. Do you use it on your body also? I do sometimes, but I think I'm I'm pretty lazy for my body. I mean, I I think I started buying those like body butters when I was a kid at Body Shop, you know, at the Mm -hmm. same time when they used to sell those little balls with the oil in it. Yeah. And because of that, I, I just have, I just always keep buying from the Body Shop because it reminds me of like feeling like it's such a splurge when you're a kid. So that's what I use on my for cream, body cream. I love that's that. where I worked in high school was at the body oh, shop. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, but it yeah. was very, yes. And I had the same feeling of like, it was the, that fancy, pro- it still kind of feels that way to me. Like whenever I see a body shop product, I'm just like, Ooh, it just feels good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do the, I wait for the BOGO, you know, those buy one, get uh-huh. one body. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering crappiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. Visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. 
And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, we're back. Well, I was curious about your thoughts on tech and self-care, especially since you say you don't just think Silicon Valley is all evil, which is often a perspective that is that is pushed. I mean, do you do you think that like the apps and products coming out of Silicon Valley that focus on self-care are actually useful? Do you think they have merit or do you think it's all just being done like for the bottom line? an interesting question. I've never thought about that, to be honest, is I don't really use any of those apps. I guess the the few founders that I have met that are working on them, I kind of feel like they would just be working on like Google ads if that made them more money. So I don't personally... <laughs> like feel that there's necessarily that correlation with yeah. with it. Um, but I'm sure there's a few. I, I just, from my experience, I don't, I don't really feel like that's a huge deal in the Valley. Like I think if you, I think if you want to make an app, right. And you want to scale it, you have a desire to be conventionally successful. And I have something that jives fully with the true self care thing, right. In my perspective, so I've never used it. Um, so that's kind of my story. And, and it's interesting. Like I, I recently met the founder of one of those apps and I said, I wrote a book and he was like, I don't read books at all. So I was like, you know, to me, I just don't see how you can do that without having introspection on, on from reading books. So I don't know. I guess my perspective is colored just from my personal experiences. Yeah. I saw it. There was a, you had a Twitter exchange recently with someone um, where they said like people in the Valley make this the one book you read this year. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of like, yes, they only read one book. <laughs> they do. And it's always nonfiction. And that's like kind of after I wrote a book, <laughs> you know, I'm in, but I'm definitely guilty of it. So I think that the Valley does not respect creative arts at all, which I think is ridiculous. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it, for, for an industry that like reveres genius or, you know, it, I don't think they actually respect the arts. And, I think that's crazy. Like, so I was a product manager before and, you know, when you're, everyone reviews the product, right? Like if you're a good product manager, you can get a product out the door. It can satisfy your audiences. It'll be at the right price point and it'll reach a lot of people. And like a really great movie or book, you know, or piece of music, it does the same exact thing in a way, right? It's this, it's this, it's this balance of like between of commercial viability and 
artistic sentiment. And, and it's, there were so many people that worked on it along the way too. Yet they all believe that they could totally write a great screenplay just if they wanted to, which is always staggering to me. I was like, do you not understand that there are really talented people in this industry that do that, right? Like talent is necessary for for, for this as well. Yeah, yeah. So that actually like explains a lot about why so many tech companies think that they can just get into the entertainment industry. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that they'll just be successful immediately no matter what. And it's like, well, it's actually harder <laughs> than that. Yeah. Did you, um, um, sorry. Oh, did no, you no, read, go ahead. Um, the new Am- book about Amazon, like Amazon no. Unbound and... Mm-mm. It's this like follow up book on Amazon for I think the last like 10 years with Bezos. And there's a chapter in it that discusses how Bezos at one point is like, I know how to create a perfect TV show. And he writes down this checklist of all the things that a TV show needs. And for a while, he has the Amazon studio execs like do a matrix, like every TV show they want to green light, it has to check like physically to check off these, these plot points. Like it needs to have a heroic protagonist. It needs to have a, a, a journey, an arc. Because at one point he was like, I I understand it, I know, and uh, it didn't work. Obviously, <laughs> right? He thought he had hacked yes. television. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's funny, like talking about that stuff because it also makes me think about the fact that so many men in Silicon Valley, especially, seem so thin-skinned, like they can't take any criticism. Um venture capitalists on Twitter, like, (laughs) go crazy. Um, And yeah, I'm just I'm wondering if you have thoughts on that. Like, what is that about? I was never on Twitter before I (laughs) was a writer. And being on Twitter has been so depressing, because you see these people getting into fights, and you're like, wow, this guy is worth like a billion dollars. And he's like, (laughs) It's like, why is he so upset? Yeah, you know, I just don't understand. And and it, it's, it's, I think it's just so weird because these are people who are like running companies. And I felt like, I was like, wow, you're revealing so much of your soul on Twitter. You're showing us that you want to be loved at no, regardless of the cause, like you're showing us your deepest insecurities through these fights. Like, I feel like, why is no one stopping you? I, I don't understand why, why where are their communications people? I guess that's always something that I, totally. I wonder. Okay. Totally. I've had the same thought. Okay. <laughs> How do you um, kind of balance creativity in your day to day as someone who's working, who's a parent? Like, do you have thoughts on things like balance and, and burnout? Is that something you've experienced yourself? I think definitely. I mean, I think that was a, a reason also why I didn't go back to work um, for a while. I think it's really, I think, it, I mean, I think tech is like, old school Japan, you know, it reveres like the young who can work very long hours. And you just don't have that. I don't really, you don't see a lot of examples of the family friendly culture. Um, yeah. And so I think as the workforce ages, kind of, I've, I've always been curious if that will change, but I just feel like right now it's just being replenished by new 20 something year old bros who want to come in. And so, so I wonder if it'll ever change. That's something that I'm curious to, to observe. Kathy, I don't know if you saw um, the New York Times had a story this week about interchangeable Asians and how Asian mm-hmm. people are often confused with each other at work and how this kind of holds them back. Um, and I'd love to talk about the character of Alice, who we haven't talked about yet. Um, and, you know, I'm wondering kind of what was something like this in your head when you were writing Alice's character? And I'm wondering if you could talk about how she challenges these t- these stereotypes. Definitely. I think I really wanted a character that was a low-level Asian employee. And Asian could also, I mean, Asian, like East Asian or Indian, or which is, I think, what typically people think of in the Valley. Um, I have plenty of experience at that level myself. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're there... Y- you really inhabit this space where people are like, yeah, you're, you're going to do your work very well. You're going to be a great cog, uh, but you don't really have leadership skills. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted a character that was exactly in that niche. Um, you know, Alice, I think is someone that inhabits it and she doesn't necessarily want to break out of it. Like she kind of is just, this is my fate. Like there's, there's no, 
ever, there's never an idea in her head that she's ever going to be COO. Like she just wants to keep her job and maintain her insurance and, uh, you know, continue to eat free food from the cafeteria. Uh, I think what forces her to break out of it a little bit when she starts to suspect Julia Lerner is simply this more overarching question of, you know, what am I going to do with my life? Like, yeah. is my life going to be this job where I maybe I tweak the ad algorithm or mm-hmm. I, right, like make the servers 1% faster to store random photos? Like that, that question I think is more what drives her rather than can I get ahead? Because I don't think the can I get ahead question even occurs to her, to be honest. And I don't even think it's there by the end of the book. She's just, she, she thinks she'll always be a lower level employee. Right. Can you talk a little bit more about your own experiences as an Asian woman working in Silicon Valley? Yeah, you know, you do. I really struggle with it a lot because I want to be fair. Like, I think that there's a lot of like systemic bias in racism, but then you also just have your own, I think, cultural propensity to not make a big fuss and to Mm. not think of yourself a certain way, right? And to not, to never say, so sometimes I struggle with that. Like, I'm like, well, how will I ever be like this level if I've never even said it out loud to myself, right? Like, how can I ask a company to make me that way? And I think you'll see that in that there's very few East Asians uh, in top levels of management. Uh, And so that's something that I've always kind of struggled with and questioned with myself. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and so th- it's just always been on my mind, right? And and I think when you grow up the child of, I think, immigrants, I mean, your parents just want you to have a stable job. Like they don't, you know, like they're really happy if you just make X amount a year and you can just keep it, right? Like they're, yeah. if you're going to have to like uh, take a risk in order to make more, like a lot of times your parents will be like, don't do that. Just just keep working for the for the man who can, who will keep paying you. So like stability above all else. Totally. Right. And, and I understand, right. I mean, if you yeah. have, if I, mean, I want my kids to have stable lives, I don't necessarily want them to take huge risks and have huge lows and huge highs. So that's, that's something that I, that's been really interesting as I have kids myself, what I think about. Yeah. We're both parents and, and that is them. Um, as they get older, it's more and more in the front of my brain. How old are your yeah. kids, Kathy? Mine are three and five. Ah, mine are eight so. and 10. <laughs> Minus two. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Can, may I completely switch gears and just ask about your author photo? Because I'm really obsessed with it. You on your on your website and kind of like your your promo photo of yourself. You're like very effortlessly cool, and you're in this chic leather moto jacket, and like just and like it's just like to me, it just like radiates like timeless style, the whole picture. So I would be curious about your feelings about fashion and style um, and clothing, especially as we're coming out of this time of being isolated at home. Um, Am I like, was that, is that your jacket? Or am I like projecting onto you just based on one picture? That is my jacket. Okay. It's very cool. I do like to buy leather. Well, I only have two right now, but they're both really good. One's Balenciaga and that one is that one in that picture <sighs> is, is shot. Uh, which, um, so the author photo, I Googled other author photos I liked and I found this photographer that I think a lot of people use named Nina Subin, who is amazing. And, uh, Nina Subin, when I looked at her, she's really, she's one of those photographers you feel like is in the movies. Like she's like, like really effortless style and everything. So started to get really nervous. And then, uh, so I Googled like, what is a cool like leather jacket brand? <laughs> I'm going like, to wear a leather jacket. I'm just telling you my inner, like, t- cause this was not an effortless photo. So like, someone told me shot and, and how I figured out shot was that they have three shops in Japan. So I was like, well, okay, if like Japanese people are into them, then then they're definitely good. So then I found this leather jacket from them. I liked it a lot. And I was like, okay, I'm going to wear this for my photo and pretend that it's like my forever leather jacket that I just wear all the time. But actually, I had just recently purchased it with that photo in mind. So just yes. to show you my true, my true strivery self. <laughs> That's the story. I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> Um, well, Kathy, it's been 
it's such a delight to talk to you. And could you tell our listeners where they can find you and read your books? Yeah. Um, so you can read my books. I hope at like most bookstores, uh, you know, if hopefully from your local indie, you can find me online. I'm mostly on Instagram at by Kathy Wang. My Twitter is just pure retweeting self-promotion and I'm really bad at bad at anything further, but please follow me there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for having me. Um, Well, Kathy was very cool. Yeah. And I loved talking to her just about balancing figuring out work stuff was really interesting to hear her talk about because that's such a struggle of mine of mm-hmm. balancing all these different professional things. You know, it's, it's weird and hard, but gratifying. So I really loved yeah. getting her perspective. Yeah. Totally. Well, totally. we're at kind of a crossroads here because we have like double intentions that we did that we never resolved. Yes, yes, yes. Because we did two different episodes where we added new intentions. So let's kind of work our way through the story, if you will. Let's do it. So, all right, all right. You had two from episode 176. You were dealing with your book release and episode 177. You were inspired to try some daily yoga. No. I was inspired to try to have a daily practice as oh, I'm inspired sorry. by Jasmine's daily okay. yoga. So not, not daily necessarily daily yoga. yoga. Daily Correct. Blank. Just just da- yes, daily blank, exactly. And you know, look, I do I have a daily one line a day journal practice. Like that is a daily practice. Which you do. Um, which I do do. I have not developed a new one. I feel like so this is we're recording this on my first day back from vacation. I put that in quotes because it was a vacation from work. Um but it was it was a you know, I had a 2-year-old who is a very inquisitive 2-year-old and it mostly inhabiting non-childproof spaces <laughs> or I should say non-henry proofed spaces. <laughs> Um, so I wouldn't call it like a relaxing trip, but you know, as people say, it's not a vacation. It's a trip when you have young children. Um, but I did get to see my family and hang out with them. And that was so nice. And he got to see his cousins and his grandparents and his aunts Mm. and uncles. And that was amazing. Uh, But all that being said, both travel directions were very grueling in different ways. And I just, I have not been able to really think about this. So I'm, I am feeling really good about being home. And I feel like now that I'm back home, I can finally get back into like a real life rhythm. And that will maybe entail developing a daily practice. Um, because like piano was also kind of a daily practice, but I, I haven't played piano in two weeks. Um, so I think this is a roundabout way of saying, I, my intention for this week is to like get back into a real life rhythm. I love that. Life rhythm is a lovely way of putting it. And I love that feeling of like, thank you. When you've been set off course and then you kind of get back into that. Yes. Daily rhythm. It feels really good. Yeah. Anyway, what about you? Okay. So I had said, let's see, episode 176 is to just get my body on Eastern time so I can get up early. And then on the following episode with Jasmine, I wanted to do a large Zoom with my college friends. So to give you an update, I am now pretty good about getting up early here. Um, Also, because I've had a cold, I've been getting up at like 4.30 in the morning, not by choice. But I did get Mm. to see the beautiful sunset and I get to watch the animals that are like nibbling on the grass. And that's very fun. Mm. Now, all that being said, last night, I did take a NyQuil and I was asleep by 9 p.m. It's going to be really intense when I go back to the West Coast because that means my bedtime Mm. right now here is like 6 (laughs) p.m. West Coast. Amazing. So uh, it's going to be a transition, but you know, I have a few more weeks to worry about it. So I'm not going to think about it yet. Now, 
I haven't scheduled a college friend Zoom, but I think I would like to. Um, but our group chat is just still off the charts, and I just love them so much. Um, and I am actually seeing one of my college uh, best friends soon, which will be really nice. So I'm excited about that. Um, now, my intention for this week, Dory, is really going to be focusing on journaling because, you know, my therapist was like, you should try it. I was like, God, when you mm-hmm. tell me to do stuff, I'll do it. So <laughs> whatever therapist says I do. Uh, and so I'm going to try and I'm going to try journaling. Not like today was weird, but to actually kind of dig into some of the two, as she said, my childhood trauma and which I don't you know, need to get into on the pod, but you know, stuff that is still there stuff that, and, and it was all kind of coming up because my daughter's around the age um, when I had some hard stuff going on in my own life. And so that can, that is, turns out that's very uh, triggering when your kids turn the mm. age that you were when a hard thing happened. Didn't, didn't ever think of that, but yeah. surprise. So I might try like digging into some of my yuckier feelings in the journal space. And that is a little scary, but I'm excited to try it. I'm excited for you. Thank you so much. Oh, well, so it feels welcome. great to be back with you. I have to say, it feels great to be back. Likewise. And Likewise. listeners, we do always like to end each episode by telling you that this show, Forever 35, is hosted and produced by Doris Shafrier and Kate Spencer, and it's produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager, and our network partner is Acast. Bye. Thanks for listening.